Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Divorce Redefined. I am Cindy Stibbard, and I'm your host. And thank you, all of those of you who continue to tune in every week with me. You know, normally I do my big intro, as you know, every time, but I'm not going to do that this time because I have a really special guest with me today, and I don't want to waste my time going into my story. You all have been following me now, and this is my 26th episode. I know what you, that you know what I'm all about. And we dig deep into a topic that a lot of us can feel uncomfortable about. And that's a topic around divorce. But we don't just talk about divorce. We talk about relationships. We talk about parenting. We talking about we talk about showing up as a better person in our lives. Because this is all about change. This is all about supporting ourselves through change. And this is a movement. And the way that you can share this movement is by doing three things for me. First of all, if you are listening on Apple Podcast, Spotify, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show. That's huge for us because the more ratings and reviews that we get, the more this can get in front of the people who need it. Secondly, Please talk about us. Talk about us on social media if you're comfortable. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell whoever you think would benefit to hear one, two, three of these episodes and share it with anyone that you know who's going through a hard time. And the third thing is just show up. Show up and be here and take it all in because the more informed and educated and empowered we can be, we can really make some amazing changes in divorce and our relationships. So I want, really want you to just not be a passive listener here, but to take in every little snippet each time from each episode that can either help you in your situation or help someone you know in theirs. And I'm so proud of the show that we put together here and the lineup of strong, courageous, like-minded professionals who also want to lead the change in experience, lead the charge in changing the experience of divorce with me. And I'm so excited for the work that we're all doing in this divorce space and supporting each other and changing this experience together. Now we all of ever, all the guests that I've ever had have their own divorce experiences. However, today we're going to talk about how to become a powerhouse couple. And I'm really excited about the guests that I have today because she is one of my favorite people in the relationship space. She's a certified Gottman couples therapist. She's been trained by Dr. Gottman who is a leading research scientist on marriage and family with over 25 years of landmark research and is the author of several books that you've probably heard of, one of them being The Seven, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work and another one called And Baby Makes Three. Lila uses this method when working with couples to help turn their relationship problems around and create a stronger and more resilient union. The goal of this method is to help couples break through barriers in order to achieve greater understanding, connection, and intimacy in, her, in the relationship. 
And Lila's approach can help couples learn how to work through potentially destructive problems, how to detect the most common stumbling blocks within a relationship, and more importantly, how to avoid them altogether. These interventions and assessment strategies that she uses are based upon data taken from Dr. Gottman's study of more than 3,000 couples. She's also a certified Dr. Sue Johnson's emotionally focused couples therapy therapist, where couples learn to recognize how to de-escalate problematic cycles and restore their emotional bonds. So I'm so excited to have you here, Lila. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Cindy. It's great (laughs) to be here. And you know, I, I just, I love your intro. I'm just, um, and what you said, like supporting, like supporting ourselves to change and, you know, taking snippets, taking the things that resonate, resonate and, and, you know, integrating those in ways into your life and into the in people's lives around you in terms of like keeping this forward moving, uh, like this movement going, uh, as we're all kind of growing, evolving, shifting, you know, through. So I just love that, how you said that. So it's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. It's always so great to talk to you. I mean, you and I have spoken for hours and hours. You have come and spoken in my divorce Academy. You have come and spoken in my group coaching program. We have gone for dinner and spoken for hours and hours and hours on end (laughs) on relationships and divorce and, you know, you name it. It's just an open can. And we both are so passionate about what we do. Totally. Absolutely. I know. I love it. We vibe well together. And I just (laughs) love how our uh, training and background and our passions kind of meet and how they, they, yeah, just how they come together. You know, so it's it's great. I agree. I I love it. So just to get started, before we 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 dive into what makes a power couple, do you mind sharing a little bit of your own personal divorce story? Because I love that everyone who comes to the show is connected to that experience, yeah, and have been through it themselves. And so being able to go through it yourself really opens you up to knowing on a total authentic level of what people are going through and what they, what that feels like for them. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, um, yeah. So just in terms of my own personal journey, navigating, you know, aspects of that myself. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that I can probably say to that, but one of the things that I probably will say personally, um, and it's interesting how the personal experience that I had was actually the very thing that, um, that I'm so passionate about helping couples with as well as people who are, you know, in relationship and grieving the loss when they're in it, you know, and clearly I was in that situation, not fully aware of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, just that process through, I guess, what would have been um, a bit of a slow checkout uh, through, uh, you know, over time. And so that, that in itself, I, I think probably is probably the more painful part of my process is that when, one person might be grieving the relationship when they're in it and the other one isn't Mm -hmm. and isn't even aware that that's even happening. And, um, so that definitely, and then sure through the process of then having to navigate, you know, the, the, I know the trauma responses, the dysregulation, the, the, you know, those, those survival states of the fight, flight and freeze and navigating, just coming back to yourself in a place of just getting back into a nervous system. That's balanced again, you know, yeah. and so I, I really, you know, that was at the forefront of my, of my journey of, of going through a big process like that and really doing the best that I could to take care and honor um, mm-hmm. my process and not distract through it, mm-hmm. make the time for it. 
And of course, you know, when, you know, I'm trained, this is, you know, part of my training in addition to the couples is, is the attachment, the deep attachment stuff, developmental science, what makes us tick from the inside out. So understanding the deeper roots of why I'm acting the way I am or what's being woken up or triggered uh, in response to, you know, uh, you know, abandonment and or rejection or those kind of painful things, as well as just the trauma training that I have and going, right, this is what trauma feels like. Uh, here's what the nervous system does. And, and then knowing how to help myself. So that, mm. that I, I, you know, as you're going through it and sort of appreciating and having that perspective that I held, I think really allowed me to, to accept the process and not be as afraid of it. Now, of course, working with a lot of my clients over time, mm-hmm. helping them navigate that, that's what I, that's what I'll bring, you know, that's the extra aspects, I guess, that I bring is the education around that, how to navigate yourself going through it, how to navigate your fight physiology responses when you see the rage or the flight, when you just want to avoid and not deal with the process or whatever it might be, or you freeze, you shut down. Right. right? So I really do a lot of education with people through that. So they just don't feel crazy. Because that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people will say to me, Lila, like, I feel crazy. Why is that? Oh, I'll tell you why you feel crazy. And it's actually a normal response. And so just to help acknowledge that for people, so they go, okay, that helps reset. So they can just navigate the, I guess, the the unknown and the unpredictability, uh, the, the aspects that show up sometimes that, that ca- catch you off guard. Right. So that's a little bit of, yeah, my experience with it. And I can say... In conjunction with that, uh, years ago, and partly, I mean, I've been passionate about working with couples for a lot of years, but what really kickstarted my passion and uh, is probably about eight years ago now, I saw um, a, an incredible theme that was happening in, in my practice. And I have a very busy practice. So, I mean, working with a lot of people where women especially were grieving the loss of the relationship when they were in it. Mm-hmm. And then they make the announcement and they're out and they're done mm-hmm. the grieving. And the guy is now men are like kind of lined up yeah, you know, on my couch in my office, kind of just devastated by that process. Blindsided, and right? Completely blindsided. Yet there's always some writing on the wall mm-hmm. you know, in a very warm, caring way. It's like, let's look at some of the writing, mm-hmm. right? But the blindsidedness comes from, yeah, okay, Lila, sure enough, there was writing on the wall, but I thought we were kind of in it to win it and just going the distance. It's like a bump in the road. And women measure their happiness more on a day-to-day level. Right. And I see that. So when I started seeing that um, that theme really show up, like I was like, okay, I want to get to the grievers. Right. I want the people that, which is a lot of us, that mm-hmm. when I say the grievers, people who, it's not like you wake up one day when today's the day I'm going to start mourning the loss of my relationship. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that, but it's that slow check out where I, you, you've been adapting to more relationship stress than you ever, ever imagined that you would. You're not feeling as connected. You're not feeling as close. You're now starting to live parallel lives. You're now feeling lonely in the relationship. Um, this slow process. And so for me, my goal is to try, I mean, I'll work with anybody along the continuum. I work with a lot of healthy couples that just want to be the best they can be. But the people that are in this place of quite stagnant or stuck, And now there's a process and that cascade is starting to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And they're not fully checked out of the relationship yet, maybe Mm -hmm. 95% checked out. Mm -hmm. And then 5%, it's like, here's a map back. If, you know, we can turn that corner back into 
and, re- and, and sort of reignite the vitality of the relationship. So I am yeah. fiercely, fiercely passionate to catch those people. And it's the key, um, right? Of like when to catch them, because like, what is that telltale sign? I remember going to therapy at the beginning of, of mine. And they, I think she said to us, you know, by the time people get to a therapist, you're usually about six years too late. Too late. And so yeah. like, what's that fine, what's that, like that turning point where it's either kind of that make it or break it. Yeah. Time? Well, I mean, it's, it's two things. Well, I think it's a few pieces is that, um, people start. So the loneliness creeps in. So now you're lonely in your primary relationship Mm, on a deep attachment level. We are never meant to be lonely in our relationship. And I can tell you when I do these assessments um, with a lot of even healthy couples who the love and desire is there, there can be quite lonely still in the relationship. Right. And so for me, it's like part of the passion in in the work I do is it is just not good enough to coexist and co-manage a life together. It's about co-creating and co-thriving this best, you know, relationship life that we can. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to see people deteriorate, the parallel lives start really creeping in. You're just living more parallel than you are connected. And it just erodes at the emotional connection over time. And then the loneliness, like I'd mentioned. So those are, those are some indicators, but I think the other piece is that um, people start to just feel so hopeless. They just don't even, they just start to feel hopeless and defeated. Is there even a way to get it back? I don't think so. Maybe we tried a therapist once or we tried and it didn't really go well or, and so they don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think too, people are so quick to think that a couple sessions is all it's going to take. Yeah. No. And it's, it's a lot more than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And the other piece of it, and I know Cindy, you and I have touched on this a little bit and probably with a goal at some point, maybe even talking more about it is the repair. Mm. There's a huge lack of repair, uh, in relationships, you know? And, and so when people understand, well, what does repair, what is repair? How do we, how do we step into ourselves and, and have more of that personal accountability and, and really, um, show up to, uh, repairing the parts that, you know, we've contributed in not such a great way. And with that repair also comes, you know, couples unintentionally traumatize each other, right? There's a lot of trauma in relationships. And that's the other piece is that people can feel so like to your question about like that kind of turning point of maybe on the way out, even Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, like we we've just been in this and there's just no way out of it Mm -hmm. because couples don't know what trauma does to the system. They don't know how to navigate those survival states. They don't know all of those pieces. And so I know I spent a lot of time educating couples on that. They're so grateful to get that info because it's like, that's what trauma does. Okay. Now I, I have a map back into supporting my partner's um, nervous system that, you know, really got jolted as a result of whether it's a betrayal or a lie, or, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we can do shaming that, that traumatize each other. Right. So it's a big part of relationship. And people don't know how to fix that or how to yeah. come alongside that in a way that's meaningful and helpful. I think that is part of what erodes mm-hmm. over time. People just feel more hopeless and helpless or one person maybe in the dynamic, maybe both, but usually it's one more than the other. Yeah. And, and I think we just, yeah. And we let that go too, too long, yeah. Yeah. right? We, yeah. we see red flags or we have issues, but we, you know, we don't know how to repair them, but we leave them because we also know what it takes to go through 
finding a good therapist, first of all, and then committing to that. There's time, there's money, and you actually have to be willing to take, not only take this advice and listen, but to apply it and make those changes at home. And that's really, really hard. And when you're one of of two people in a relationship who wants to try and do it, but you're kind of met with one person who maybe is not open to therapy in the first place, or doesn't really think that they have a role to play in this, or is super resistant about going back into themselves. You know, how do you navigate that with people? Because that can be, that can be really hard. I see that time and time again, where, oh, I I can't, I want to go to therapy, but he hasn't, or we went three times and we gave up. Yeah. What happens there? Well, that's a really good question, Cindy. And one, like I've, I've really noticed more and more over the last few years, what actually, uh, I guess one of the ways in terms of, of what, how I conduct my assessment and working with couples gets those ambivalent partners in, um, mm. it's usually the male, not always, but it's usually the male. And when they get an introduction to what my assessment looks like, because the assessment in itself is not therapy. Right. And so, I mean, some of my clients would probably say, well, I felt like therapy therapy to me. But when I say that, where, when I'm in the assessment mode, which is conducted over three sessions, people like men like that it's rooted in a methodology, it's rooted in research, and I'm going to take you through something. So it's not just feelings for three sessions, an hour and a half long, it's feelings, thoughts, education, um, all of that. So my process and I, I get, you know, I'm quite happy that it helps bring some of those ambivalent people in. They can just start there. Okay. Right. So not counseling, right? Nope. It's not counseling. Okay. Let's do this. And then that opens up. Um, and I see this a lot in my work. It opens up a lot at that point where the couple, and then maybe more the ambivalent one, like I'm saying, it's not always the male, but usually, but um, then they will maybe then start the counseling work. So like, you've gone through this kind of intense, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's do a deep dive. Well, mm-hmm. as deep as people have the capacity to go, always have to work with people's capacity, which is great. That's fine. Um, and then from there, the counseling um, starts after the assessment's done. So okay. my, my kind of process is a little bit of a backdoor in to, for those people, I'm not going to do the count. Okay, fine. I'll do the assessment and that's it. But okay. at least it, it opens the door to an introduction to the work and to me. Yeah. Um, and like, you can have a perfectly good map, uh, key, a perfectly good lock. They don't always go. I'm not for everyone, but I'm for many. And I'm right. sure you find that too, Cindy, in oh, terms yeah. of the people that come your way as well. Um, but that's what I love about being able to offer assessment, because even if people don't do the counseling after you're getting a lot out of the, the, the assessment because it's it's a, it's quite a process that I take people to. I mean, essentially, you know, they, they complete questionnaires to and false over 300 questions each. And I compare their answers to each other. Okay. And so it gives a lot of rich info. So this is how they come to you first. So if a couple's kind of struggling and they're looking for therapy, but they, they don't really know where to start. I like this approach because basically what you're saying is you take them in first of all, and within three sessions, you just stick to this assessment. And what is this assessment looking for specifically? Okay. So what the assessment is, uh, when couples make the commitment, it's three sessions over, um, uh, each session is an hour and a half long. The, the, and what happens in this process is once they make the commitment, um, they get a, they get a little, they get a packet of questionnaires to fill out. Like I said, there's over 300. The first session is the three of us discussing, how can I help? 
what are some of the areas of challenge or, you know, um, what are the issues that are showing up in your relationship that you want strength in that you're really struggling with? And then as comfortable as, as my clients will, we will discuss that for about 50 minutes or so. And I want to hear from both, obviously, it's not just mm-hmm. a one thing. Um, and then at about the 50 minute mark, I shift gears and I then ask questions. I get at the history of their relationship. I want to know how they move through times together. Right. I want to know things from as questions from the very beginning, their initial impressions of one another, their good times as a couple, their hard times as a couple, their transitions as a couple. I ask a bunch of questions just to see how patterns healthy and unhealthy have gotten ingrained. And then that wraps up the first session. And then the second session, even though there's an hour and a half booked, it's 45 minute individual sessions. So mm-hmm. now I get a chance to connect and reset, which is great. You know, yeah. when I do them, just go, okay, reset. Because at that point, my client has filled out the questionnaires. And like I said, there's over 300 questions. My process is meant to stir you up. It will stir you up. If my, my goal always in helping people is if I can help you see different, you can do different. Yes. So yes. we get this great reset. And then at that point, um, we spend the time, like they may elaborate more on some of the points that they started with in session one, but for whatever reason, we didn't, they didn't put it all out there or they, we didn't get time or they add things that they didn't get to. So then we get that opportunity and I get it with both of them. And then on the third session, what I, what I will have done is taken all of their, their answers to their questionnaires and compare their answers to each other. Plus in the assessment phase, because I hold trauma, I hold, you know, family history, I hold, um, atta- deep attachment all in there. I go through a feedback session with them in session three. I go, okay, guys, here's what, here's what we got. You know, here's the areas of strength. Here's some areas of opportunity. And then I educate, give them lots of information. And then this is where I'll usually say, here's what I think we should do moving forward. And some couples will say pretty full Lila at this point, um, like your recommendation, but we're going to try this on for a bit. And then it's like you said, it's like the work is them applying it. Yeah. That's the part right there. And so, you know, and I don't sugarcoat things in the assessment and what's you, what's unique about the assessment compared to maybe seeing a, a, a couples therapist um, uh, is that you can't walk away from my process going, I didn't agree with her. Mm. If I said you said it, so it gets the hearts and the ears of my clients in a very deep way. Wow. I yeah. love that. Cause I've never, mm-hmm. you've never experienced that kind of approach myself. Mm-hmm. And so this, and this is based on Dr. John Gottman's training, yeah, Gottman stuff. And then I've added some trauma stuff and I've added some attachment stuff. So it is the Gottman method, but I've expanded it right in, in, the, in my other areas of specialization and mental health. And so yeah. by these three, three sessions, they go through it. They're either deciding whether they're going to continue and dive deeper with you to do the repair, or they're going to take a break. Yeah. And it's not always just even all the repair. It's just the counseling. Like I might mm-hmm. say to a couple, Hey guys, based on your assessment, um, and, and I'll just go back. Assessment sounds so formal. I mean, it, it is an assessment, but it's just assessing strengths and areas for opportunity. Right. Right. So um, I'll say, you know, you guys have these three issues that you've put on the table that every t- time you try to talk about it uh, and that could be finances, intimacy, lots of things, right. you, it goes sideways. So let's book a few counseling sessions to deal with these specific issues so we can help build up your relationship capacity and success 
with me to have some successes in counseling. So then you trust your ability to do it on your own. So right. like that could be one example of many things, the repair. Yeah. If, if there's repair work or trauma work, this is where I make all my recommendations on the third session. Most people follow them or they circle back at a different, like three or four months. But I will tell you one of the things, and it piggybacks off of what you were saying um, earlier, uh, Cindy, about the uh, applying it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I deliver these assessments and I, I can see, like I'm assessing, do you want me to share what I assess in the, yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. So in terms of the Gottman's uh, world, I'm assessing what's their friendship like in this relationship, how active is their friendship, mm-hmm. how much does this couple participate in expressing their fondness, admiration, respect, appreciation, and affection for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, are they tuning into each other's worlds in smaller, more, what might seem like not big, big ways, but are they tuning into the subtleties and the cues um, of their relation of their partner as we moving through time? How much loneliness is creeping in? Um, how far are they in their uh, emotional disengagement? Are they living parallel lives? Is there abuse? What mm. kind of abuse? And I assess for that deeply. Um, I look at how much contempt, stonewalling, criticism, and defensiveness is there. So that's the mm. goal four horsemen, which you yeah. know, is it four horsemen of the, the apocalypse? The apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> I look at all of that and I look at how aligned are you on your goals and, and life goals and whatnot, everything from parenting to sex, to finances, to in-laws. I mean, you name it, it's on there. Yeah. And so it's, it goes really deep. And so, so yeah, so part of, to piggyback to that. So that's what I'm looking for in the assessment. Plus, I'm asking other questions when I'm having my sessions with them. But um, one of the things that comes up a lot, and I see this with women, women are workhorses. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm always the one that's initiating. If we're going to do make this successful, it's going to be me. Like I see that all the time too. Yes. Why do I have to do all the heavy lifting? Why is it always me doing it? But then I hear from the men, why is it that I have to change? Why is it that I'm doing something wrong? Why do I always have to make the changes? You know, Mm -hmm. that's what I hear. There's a dynamic there. That's probably worth a counseling session in itself. (laughs) (laughs) Let's look at that dynamic, you guys, because we want to like tweak that and make that better. But yeah, what, what happens to your point though, at, at applying and integrating is that on the third session, after I've given all that feedback for an hour and a half, like I will say to couples, look, it's up to you now. Mm-hmm. You've got, I've given you a map and I've given you some tangible things to try on right away. And, you know, based on what the assessment looks like, um, you know, if you guys don't work to integrate the stuff, you may not sustain the relationship. And I, wow, and you're that, that honest, hey? what I see. Oh yeah. yeah if good, if yeah. I see all of the risk factors, I will say it, right. but I will never say like, I've had, um, I get many calls saying, well, Lila, is this good in the end? Are you going to tell us we shouldn't be together? I'm going to say, no, I'm never going to say you shouldn't be together, but I am going to say, here's all the risk factors. You have them. Here's what they are. And here's the map to really turn back towards each other only if you integrate it. And if you guys don't integrate much, then, you know, you're you're not going to go the distance here probably. It's on them, right? And at what point do you find, okay, this is going to be successful. They're going to dig into this and I can tell that this is 
repairable, but also rebuildable into what, you know, you want that powerhouse couple foundation to look like. So what are the signs when you can see, okay, a couple is really going to be able to, to push through this bad patch or this this bad season in their relationship? Yeah. So like with those couples, um, you know, often, uh, so like, like the couples, for example, who might be worried that they're not going to integrate the, the material enough. I will say to them, look, then let's book in. If you don't want to do, you're not looking to a counseling session right now, but I need to like reconnect with you in three weeks to a month. Cause I need to know what you're applying and what you're not and why, right. you know, I, I want to jump in that with you guys to really understand what's blocking you. Are you just too um, awkward? Are you feeling it's always me initiating? I want to understand the dynamic that keeps you guys from applying this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So usually those couples then will book like a follow-up session with me, maybe like anywhere from two weeks to a month, normally three weeks to a month because they want a little bit of time to try it on. Yeah. And so when I then have that kind of uh, follow-up session, then I get to hear more of you know, the ways that maybe they have been trying, but it went sideways. Okay, that's fine. At least you're trying. It's not going to just be smooth sailing right away, you know? Um, and, but then we, we tease that apart to how we can just make that fine tune that a little bit better for them. Right. Um, and then, you know, they, and then they just, the momentum kicks because for me, it's about reigniting the relationship vitality to be a powerhouse couple. We need to re re reconnect to that part inside where, you know, that vitality is strong and it doesn't take much for people to start getting reignited. Yeah. I was going to say into the work a bit. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say like, how realistic is that? Cause you know, people say, can I refall in love with my partner? Or can I, or can I get that love back that I once felt for them because yeah. it's been so long and, and there's been so much change or there's been so much going on in their lives. Like, how do I re-spark that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's a hard one too. Like it, from the perspective of, can I get the love back? I mean, I, I do get a lot of clients stating that to me and, and that, and that's a tough one because sometimes those people have grieved it. Mm-hmm. They, they, right. they, they are not in love. They love, they care very much, but they don't have that, that vitality for that yeah. person anymore. Yeah. And so some of those people try the assessment because they, they, they don't, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So then when you go through it and you're that invest invested in, in seeing if you can turn a corner, um, some people will come to me just for that reason. And then some do turn the corner because when, when you're given tools or you're given a map back into connection that's based on the research, you know, we're trained very quickly for the couples who will make it and the couples who won't. Right. And you, right. you know, too, with your training, yeah. um, you know, when, when that map is there, like that couple, when that, it doesn't take much to reignite or start building that vitality, even if it's slowly, as long as they're, you know, staying consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people try and it's like, yeah, I, I gave it my all and, and it's not, it's not reigniting anything here. Yeah. Um, and honestly, to your point, couples that are six years too late, I mean, yes, that's what the statistics say. And to be really honest, I think there's a lot of couples. Well, I know there is like the couple, many couples I work with over time, they're coming to me. And honestly, they know, they know they're at the end of the cascade and they're done, but they, they just need, need someone else to tell them that yeah, almost, right? They need to sleep good at night. Just knowing that, well, if there was a chance, cause I'm one person, I'm 99% out, but I have a 1% something. 
Yeah. If there, if there is going to be a chance, we're going to try this, but in their heart of hearts, you know, it's also in part to let them know that they did everything they possibly could before considering, you know, hiring you into the divorce process and all the of next that. Steps, yeah. The next steps. Um, but people quite know. Yeah, they do. Right? No, they we don't. Know. They they do. And I think yeah. even when you're questioning it, you already know the answer yeah. to that, right? It's, yeah. And if you want something bad enough, if you want your relationship to work bad, bad enough, you're going to make it happen. Yes. So, you know, you've got to want it. It doesn't happen by itself. Yeah. But when you see these couples that come to you and they've, they have been through trauma, like let's use infidelity, for example, yeah. Like, what's the chances that you see of them actually being able to rebuild and get to a better place? Ooh. Oh, I like that question. Okay. Uh, okay. Using yeah. Trauma, infidelity, lies, betrayals, things like that. Um, what I explained to, to couples that do want to really try to turn that corner back into the relationship. First of all, we have to educate on trauma. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't do any of the work. Like we need to educate on trauma. So, and then that helps empower the couple because once they understand and they have a shared framework to hold trauma in um, the person that's perpetrated the hard injury uh, on the person also can feel a little more empowered through that. Like, oh my gosh, okay, now I understand that and what I did, <laughs> like to the nervous system. Yeah. And so they can work on that angle. Um, but the bottom line about that, and this is this is what I will say to people, is that you know your relationship will have an opportunity to turn that corner based on how much the person who perpetrated the trauma, let's say the mm -hmm. infidelity, whatever it is, how much they're willing to demonstrate the repair over time. Mm, and what so, does that look like? Yeah. And most people don't know what that looks like. So yeah. this is where I feel, again, when I think about the people I would also like to, to have to work with, other than the people who are grieving, the people where there has been trauma, or infidelities, lies, betrayals, I, I wish they'd come and do the work too and get educated because they, they start to just feel like, well, what more can I possibly do? I already said I was sorry and, and right. it's just nothing changing and, but they don't understand the trauma. They don't understand how to work with the triggers. They don't know how to work with maybe their own trauma. Like they just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so from that angle, um, people then really want to, uh, step into knowing how they can show up, um, to demonstrate the repair to their partner. Mm -hmm. and, and so that could be, you know, if I give sort of a simple example, I make, I make it sound easy here. I know that this is a fully charged, you know, <laughs> yeah. topic, right. Um, but let's say for the person, so this would be a typical scenario that I've, I've been met with. Uh, let's say there's been an infidelity, infidelity. Uh, let's say in this case, it's been the guy, um, mm -hmm. so, which isn't always the case, right? We know that. But let's just say in this example, it's a guy and he realizes, I want my family. I want, I want this relationship to work. I want my marriage mm -hmm. and really like comes out with it. And now it's out and the wife wants the marriage too. Mm -hmm. And he will say, and this is very common. And they come to like, I, Lila, I said, I'm sorry. I feel so bad about what I did. Believe right. me, I feel like I failed all those. I feel the guilt. And can we just move on? Yeah, he'll say to his wife, like, how many times do I have to say sorry? Repenting That's my sins past. constantly, right? Like I can't. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and let's just move forward onward and upward. And right. I say, well, her nervous system doesn't move forward onward and upward. Yeah, I said in this example, her nervous system is working hard every day to manage flashbacks, triggers, um, you know, dropping the kids off at the same school where she looks across the field and sees the kid of the person that the infidelity happened with, or 
So her nervous system is working overtime to be able to get to a place of onward and upward. Mm -hmm. And so I help them understand, I help him in this example, understand what's needed to help her not work so bloody hard and how important it is for him to get there first. It's not up to her to melt down. This is really common. Like the female tries, okay, yeah, we're, we're doing this, we're doing this. And then she's like managing triggers while raising kids and being quiet about it. And everything seems okay. And then, well, I thought we were fine. You you did? Well, my nervous hasn't been. So I help them work with that. So she can feel the responsiveness of him without Mm -hmm. having to be in charge of asking for it. Right. And how long do you see that? that go on for before there is a little bit of the stability happening. Cause I, I work with people all the time. Maybe this infidelity happened two years ago and they're still reeling and they just can't let it go. And, you know, realistically, what is the, the lifetime of, of this? I'll, I'll tell you, it depends on how much the person who perpetrated the, the trauma or the heart injury shows up to, to have those, have those check-ins to, um, really support, uh, yeah, the check-ins helping the partner manage their triggers. It depends on how much they show up. And Mm -hmm. in my experience, um, to answer a bit more of that question is that if that person is just really taking in like all the things that I might educate them on and applying it, the nervous system and the trauma response can actually settle fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. but people just don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you think that people just kind of have to like, like just suck it up and do it? Cause you know how you'll have that where, you know, one spouse is now worried about where their other spouse is going. So they want to be able to, to know where are you, who you're with almost like tracking them on, on, on the day to day to feel safe that they're being honest and that they are transparent you know, is that a normal behavior? Is that a normal even want to, is that reasonable even an ask or how does that work? Well, let's say in an ideal world, what would be really, really great about that is let's say that that was about to happen. Like, um, let's say the, the husband was on his way out to go and head to whatever, go, go spend an evening or out with a buddy or something. Let's just say, um, he already knows that her nervous system is trying really hard to be okay with that. Her intellectual mind knows, yeah, like I I get it. It's good. I'm glad. Like I want him to go out and enjoy himself, but inside here, it's a gong show. So in the perfect world of a repair, he would get there first and say, Hey honey, I know in a few weeks, like, you know, I've got that, whatever I'm heading out uh, with, with my buddy for the evening. And I, I imagine it's already taking up space inside of you. Um, and that's it. It's acknowledgement. Yeah, it is. Okay. And then he might say, okay, well, let's, let's talk this through a little bit. What goes through your mind there? Well, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You know what? I've got you. Like sometimes the repair isn't like, let's sit down and hash this out and discuss it for two mm-hmm, hours. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it goes there, but right. sometimes at these little acts of, I see you. Right. And I hear you and I know that how that feels for you. That it, takes a super emotionally evolved human. Uh, It does, but but, you know, yes, it does. But when people hear it that way, like for example, when I educate people in all the small ways that they can show up for the repair, they just go, you know what? I can do that. Yeah, I just didn't know about that because from an attachment perspective, so going deep into the developmental science, right? It's like when people feel seen, 
and, and, and validated and acknowledged for whatever experience they're having. We're talking about trauma, but it can be anything, but mm-hmm. especially with trauma and that person gets there first where the person doesn't have to keep saying, Hey, can we talk? I want to talk more about this or having the meltdowns. So those couples where the person is really showing up to demonstrate the repair by the check-ins, little check-ins, maybe bigger check-ins, um, those couples nervous systems come down fast. Right. And that makes complete sense. I mean, imagine if we were able to tackle all those things, those emotional issues head on in every relationship, how amazing our, our, you know, how powerful a couple can be. Yeah. You ever see where someone is taking that approach and they are really getting ahead of it and doing everything that they can, but they're still, their spouse is still on it still hanging on it, still can't get past it, no matter how much the perpetrator, let's say, is working to to apply all those skills and communicate differently and show up differently and really sort of show that I don't want this to ever happen again. Do you ever see the other side just is still stuck and isn't quite able to move past that and into forgiveness? Yeah. Okay. So that two thoughts. So one is, first of all, that's a very interesting... I what you're bringing up is very interesting because let's say in this example that we're going with the female is stuck and always like doing that. Part of it is, is that she, she can't even let her guard down a little bit to enjoy the connection or enjoy it because she's worried. He's going to interpret that as, okay, I'm fine now. Right. So they have a hard time. So I will name that. Okay. So when you're having a warm and fuzzy moment with your husband and you know, all of that has left you and it's a wonderful evening you know, she'll hold back. Well, I can't get too much into that because I can't have him think that I'm good and this is over. Right. So I have them name that as far as the repair. So I'll say, for example, to the husband, Hey, I've got this evening planned for us. I want us to have a great dinner. I know that this does, I don't want you to worry that I'm interpreting this hopefully wonderful night as all is good now. You know, you're forgiven and forgotten and we're moving on. I know it doesn't work like that. Now, if she heard that big time, right? She could melt into the evening and like just be more vulnerable and just share an experience. And then sure, her guard might go up again later because she's still in maybe a, a trauma reaction or whatever. But women will hold back or people will hold back because they do not want their partner to think I'm, I'm, I'm over it. You still have right. work. You're out of the doghouse now, right? Yeah, you're out of the doghouse. This is yeah. going to take a while. Right. But I, I help them understand that guys, we have to ebb and flow in that. And if the partner understands that that's what it's going to look like. And we name that dynamic, mm-hmm. then we can work with it. Yes. That is, that is so, so true. And it has to be that willingness to really go there and be open and be vulnerable and share. And I do yes. believe that you can get past it and be willing to leave the past in the past and to, to almost divorce that, that old version of the relationship, yeah. even though you're deciding to stay together technically, yeah. but to yeah. divorce that relationship and really start something brand new, because yeah. sometimes it does take trauma to really shake up a couple. Yeah. And I do believe that it can be a, a, an opportunity for them to develop something even better and deeper. Totally. totally. Well, and to that point, Cindy, like with the infidelity example that you'd mentioned, um, you know, as hard as this is for people to hear, infidelity is often a symptom, a symptom of a greater relationship issue. Yeah. Right. I mean, lonely relationship loneliness, which is sadly, like I said earlier, so common 
uh, loneliness in relationship, you're at risk for two things, getting sick and infidelities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those are the two things that we know that can happen. And men get sicker faster than females. Um, so yeah. So like in terms of like infidelities or things like that, I mean, often it's, it's symptomatic of a greater relationship issue that we have to look at. And sometimes teasing that out for couples, like some see that, look, we, we landed here, you know, I cheated on my husband or I cheated on my wife. Um, but we, we're in, we're, we have a greater understanding together of how we got here. And then you get some people that just can't even look at that. What are you talking about? Well, this happened. Yeah. Okay. Because they, what are you saying, Lila? All of that is the reason why my partner did that. This is where it's like, well, the infidelity is not right. You know, I get that there's a trauma here, but if we can just sort of extract a little bit from the infidelity to look at the relationship history and, and how it's been going along there are things in this history that probably we're going to find that we can now hopefully give you guys a map back into being stronger with those things. So right. it's symptomatic of it's symptomatic of a yes. issue, right? Yeah. Often, maybe not every case, but I do agree with that. I do agree with that because it is just a symptom. I mean, it is what can break it at the end, but your marriage isn't, isn't, you had a really strong, amazing marriage. Likely that wouldn't have happened in the first place. I mean, there are certain reasons why they do in other cases, but to be able to look at that and really take accountability. I mean, that's when I see when couples can actually repair what they have, or even in divorce, if they decide not not to stay together, really show up differently in this experience when both of them are able to take accountability for the role that they played, yeah. whether or not they wanted the breakdown of this marriage yeah. or not, if they're able to see how they contributed in some way, yes, even if it's a small percentage, yep. then I see everything change and morph and they are able to, to proceed in such a more peaceful and more reasonable way. Yeah. Yeah. If you're saying if both people can tap into the fact that there is some accountability or something to look at in their relationship history that they need to like look at a little bit more that maybe contributed to the, the demise or the deterioration or whatever of the relationship. Exactly. So as we're like switching back to gear, I just want to switch back to gears a little bit about, um, powerhouse being a powerhouse couple. So couples are struggling right now, you know, and they are, they're trying to figure things out. What are some, or, or do you have any tips that you tell them that they should focus on these things to really go in deep to yeah. fixing your, your marital issues or relationship problems right now to become yeah. that, that powerhouse couple. Yeah. Most people aren't coming at the very beginning, which they all should. Now that I'm divorced <laughs> into my ne- next relationship, we already go to therapy yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I'm like, we're not doing this again. Yeah. No. And mm-hmm. it's amazing because there's no history to build on. So there's no resentment there yet. Yeah. Right. So we're really open to talking about issues as they come up because I haven't been holding on to this because it's been happening for years. Totally. Right. Yeah. 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 No, what do you tell couples that are, you know, needing that little bit of a boost? What do we focus on? Well, okay. So the, the focus there, I mean, is, and some of this, uh, for you, Cindy, you'll probably be like very familiar with, within the Gottman stuff. It's, uh, number one, it's building a strong love map, right? The Mm. love maps are not just knowing each other's personalities. It's showing an investment in knowing you as you move through time together. 
So it's really protecting some time to, to be together where you go a bit deeper into the connection and some of those conversations. I help couples create what that looks like a structure around that. Um, I give them questions that they should check in around based on their assessment, but it's this idea that it's not just good enough to know each other's personalities. It's sending the message that I want to know you as we move through time together. And we know that couples who have strong love maps and Gottman's call it a love map because we're mapping out each other's ever-changing emotional and psychological and spiritual world. I mean, what's going on for me this week might look very different next week. Right. Right. And to have a partner that's invested and wanting to know, hey, walk me through that because I want to understand it for you. I want to create a great invitation for you to feel seen and held and known and acknowledged with what's going on here. And guess what? I get to then walk alongside you this week to be the best partner I can be this week of your life. And I break it down like that for couples. Like I give them I'm like not just this broad. Oh, just be invested and know each other. No, no. What does that look like and how do we do it? So building that strong foundation of connection is like number one. Mm -hmm. So often it's like revisiting that because, you know, as we mentioned earlier, like couples get a lot of uh, well, like couples who, um, what am I trying to say? They co-manage and they coexist coexist well in life. They're like this well-greased wheel that just gets everything going and done well. But there, sometimes that's where the parallel lives can start. They want to make sure within that busy life flow that they are prioritizing that investment of, I want to get, you know, you, and I'm going to walk alongside with you, walk alongside this week with you in the best possible way. So Uh, love map is just, and so when couples hear me describe, it's like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Right. Right? And it's not hard. Right. So that's, that's one of the things. Did Mm -hmm. you want to comment on that before I go to the other? Well, I just think that's so interesting because you do see couples, especially when there's, there's kids or there's um, blended families where they have really great efficiency together. You know, there is that whole level of we really vibe because we do things uh, together or we we're really efficient with household things, or we have this great social life, but that's really it. You know, like there is nothing deeper. They maybe they vacation yeah. well together, you know, they the party well together, whatever it is, yeah. but the depth of it isn't there. You see that all the time. Totally. And it's risky because uh we know that, and this is another reason why I'm so passionate about this work. We know that 18 months to three years after first baby, females are losing satisfaction in their relationships. 70% yes. of them. Yeah, that's an incredible stat to me. And that's partly why they might be really good at co managing life. And they're no longer co creating and co thriving in the way of their vitality, their connection. And so they have to be careful. I get that we can dip in and out of times or yeah, we're just this well greased wheel lately. And we're doing good, but the connection. So the love maps that I'm talking about keeps people connected through the grind. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's, what's next? That's one? the goal. The it. next one is, is how well do you participate in expressing the way, you know, your fondness for your partner, mm-hmm. your admiration, your respect, your affection, your, your, um, yeah, just all those things. Like how well do you demonstrate those things? Yeah. And I will tell couples pay it forward. When you have a warm and fuzzy going on inside of you, like send the text or pick up the phone or when you get home, say, Hey, I want you to know, like, Hey, I, thanks again for that wonderful weekend. We had a few weeks ago. It kept popping on my mind. I just loved every minute. Give them that because pay it forward because then you bolster the oxytocin in the, in the body, which is the bonding hormone. Yes. You know, and I really like the exercise where 
um, you know, choose one or two things that you love about your partner lately and mm. tell them why you chose it. Mm. It's the why. What a checklist. Organize funny. Next, organize. I can't believe how you pulled off that awesome dinner without like blowing up the kitchen in like 20 minutes and it tasted so great. I love that. <laughs> you know, right. like you give it substance with the why. Mm-hmm. The why mm-hmm. means everything to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that really that. the connection. And then the other thing, which is um, the Gottmans uh, stumbled across this, I think years ago by mistake. And when they did, they dumped lots of research into it. And this is a big one. Gottmans, so they call it the bids for connection. Mm-hmm. Do you turn towards or do you turn away from your partner? Yeah. Right. And so meaning in the mundane, as you go through your week to week life, your partner makes a little mini request to be connected to you in a small way. And yeah. that could be something as small as, Hey, check out this awesome, uh, Christmas display outside our window. Or, hey, right. check out this article I found over here. What are you thinking about Saturday? Did you write bananas on the list? Small stuff. Your partner can do one of two things, turn towards you and, and be responsive and mm-hmm. stop what they're doing and crank their neck and look at the, the view or come over and look at the article, or they can turn away from you and ignore you, say mm-hmm. nothing, or give you a half present answer while they're doing something over here. And what we know about that is that these small little bids that seem like nothing accumulate through the course of your week-to-week life. And couples who stop for a second and turn towards each other, think about it as building this really robust emotional bank account. So as couples are feeling like, wow, you're paying attention to me as we go through this, like our life, um, when, when the tensions happen or the argument, it doesn't go as sideways because you hear each other more neutrally because you have all these moments where you felt like your partner tunes into you. Yeah. We call it attunement in psychology. Yeah. And so when people feel that ongoingly, it's like you hear your partner more as animated. You don't hear it as the personal attack on your character or the personality assassination. You just hear it more through the lens of, okay, they're really upset. So I'm all ears. Couples mm-hmm. who have a lot of failed bids. So you're not being present to those small moments. Now you have an emotional bank account on overdraft. Right. So good luck when you come together and you try to like, talk about whatever, there's a tension or an argument, and you have all these small ways where your partner is ignoring you or not Mm -hmm. turning towards you, now it goes sideways. Wow. So the Gothans will go as far as to say couples who have tuned into each other's bids for connection are the couples will go the distance. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I can see that happening all the time. I can see that happening in lots of relationships too, even if you apply it to your children and how you shop for them. 100%. It's deep. I it love is it. Deep. Well, mm. and, and the thing, the thing about it too, is, um, a lot of people, when they hear me describe it, they'll go loud no offense. I hear that as background noise. If I'm over here working on a work email or I'm sinking in, putting together my content for my next episode and my yeah. partner is saying something like, Hey, what do you think about blah, blah, blah. And you're kind of putting it through your own mental filter of the level of importance you think that warrants in the moment. Yeah. And you're just choosing to choose. This is more important than that. Yeah. Well, think of the message that we're sending. So we can just stop and go, hold that thought. I hear you, but not quite. Just let me mm-hmm. finish this sentence. And then I'm all ears. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people just go, I like, honestly, I hear that stuff is like, I measure the level of importance. I think it has based on what I'm doing in the moment. I said, yeah. And now you can't unhear it. Those yeah. bids are everything. The longevity of your relationship will be there if you do them. Oh my gosh. I love this. And I know that we could talk all day long about this. I know we could just go on and on. I do love it. And I need, I do need to wrap this up, but I yes, just wish I didn't have to, but let's just say, but right before we leave and wrap this up, where can people find you? 
people can find me, uh, my, my website, which is kind of under construction, but there's still a good bio on there, which is www.lilaprasado.com. Uh, people who are on Facebook can find me on my Facebook business page, Lila Prasado Counseling and Parenting Consulting. And then at some point we'll be probably hitting Instagram, but not quite there yet. So probably the best ways for people to find me Any others that that feel yeah that's fantastic yes thank you thank you so much for being here that was so powerful and there are so many amazing tips that that we learned today and i can't wait i want to have you back one day because there's so many other things that i want to go into (laughs) we will cindy absolutely we'll okay back and vibe vibe high like we do again soon and thank you so much for putting me on your show i really appreciate it well thank you so much and thanks for all that you do thank you awesome okay bye-bye okay bye Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.